Retail media is without question one of the biggest trends in consumer goods sales and marketing right now. But for the tech teams, the conversations get a little fuzzy when it comes to measuring success and the expectations a brand should have. So in this episode of Tech Transformation, I'm talking with Claire Wyatt, VP Business Strategy and Marketing Science at Albertsons Media Collective, about some of the challenges brands are facing, what they should consider when they're building partnerships, and some of the most common misconceptions. Stay tuned for that and more on this episode of Tech Transformation. Welcome to Tech Transformation with CGT and RAS News. I'm Lisa Johnson, the Editor-in-Chief of CGT. Retail media is one of the hottest topics in the industry, but it's not one that we've talked much about on Tech Transformation. So we have brought in an expert to school us. Claire Wyatt, VP Business Strategy and Marketing Science at Albertsons Media Collective, is here to talk with us about some of the challenges and opportunities that might be of a special interest for an IT audience. So Claire, welcome. Thanks for having me, Lisa. I'm excited to be here. It's great to have you here. Um, we are just a couple months out from Analytics Unite, of which you were one of our speakers. Um, you were also this year named a 40 under 40 by the Path to Purchase Institute, which is one of our sister brands. Um, and I believe you just also spoke at their Retail Media Summit. So all of this to say is that you have been really, really busy. Um, yes. so, be- <laughs> so besides <laughs> constant travel, uh, tell us just a little bit about yourself and your role. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I do do things besides sort of speak and win awards, <laughs> I promise. Uh, so really what my role is, is it's it's twofold. So I focus on the business strategy side of the retail media network, but then I also focus on the marketing science side. So business strategy is really what do we want to be as a retail media network? And then how do we deliver what we promise to deliver for the broader company? So Albertsons Media Collective is a part of broader Albertsons companies, um, and we need to work together to ensure that both businesses are growing and being fruitful. Um, The second part of my job is the marketing science part, which it gets into a little bit more of the tech side of the business, I would say, and what we talked about at Analytics. Analytics Unite. It's really that client-facing measurement, audience, analytics capabilities that a retail media network um, has access to. And it really helps our clients, who in our case are usually CBGs, understand how their media performed when they're, they're running it with us. Perfect. And we're going to get into some of that uh, in just a little bit. Um, at Tech Transformation, though, before we dive in, uh, one of the things we like to talk about in the beginning is just our first job, right? So what was your first job? So I was thinking about this, and my first job where I had to fill out a W-2 was a lifeguard. But however, I would say before that, I had a very successful babysitting monopoly Monopoly, my, not just, oh, not not just one, not just two. I think I had the entire block. I had like <laughs> probably five or six families who used me as a babysitter pretty consistently. Oh, that, that babysitting can bring in some pretty good cash. I, I remember from it, and I know now oh, as, yeah. as a parent of of having to pay it out. So that that's a yes. good gig. Yeah, it was a very good gig. Um, okay, so as I mentioned, we don't talk a ton about retail media on tech transformation. So for anyone who's listening. If you had 30 seconds, I'm not timing you, but if you had 30 seconds, how would you describe retail media and its benefits? So 
The big reason that I would say retail media is so hot right now is because the first party cookie is really going away and privacy and that conversation is becoming more and more important to consumers. So retail media networks are really a way that uh, brands, in our case, CBG specifically, can still target those um, customers that they care about the most in a way where they know exactly who they are, but also in a way that's very um, privacy focused, I would say. Okay. Perfect. I, I think you might have just just hit the hit the mark. Um, nailed it. Just I think uh-huh. you just nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're in your work with CPGs, um, what's your sense on how far along the retail machi- retail media maturity curve that most of them are at this point? So I would say it really it really depends. In general, retail media is fairly new in the way that it exists today, but there have been retail media networks that have existed sort of for years prior. Um, So Albertsons Media Collective is really, it's my second retail media network. I worked at Roundell before. Roundell used to be Target Media Network um, and had existed for a long time. And so there's some CBGs that have really been with retail media networks and been investing in those networks since the beginning. And those retail media networks tend to be more uh, or those CBG brands, I should say, tend to be more sophisticated in terms of um, how they are looking across different retail media networks, how they're measuring the performance of different retail media networks, and then also understanding that retail media impact impacts both online and in-store. One of the things that we see for maybe less sophisticated retail media investors is that they tend to think that retail media only drives e-commerce sales. And so especially in a case of uh, Albertsons, where 97% of our sales still happen in store, that um, it just is absolutely not the case. And I think when we think about our own consumer journeys, when you're uh, when you're at the grocery store, when I'm at the grocery store, I often have... Um, my grocery list on my phone, or I'm looking at Pinterest, looking at recipes. And so the more sophisticated CPGs, I think, understand that the customer journey is really digitally connected, even if you're in a physical location. So we we do know in our conversations that we've had with our audience uh, when it comes to retail media networks is that one of the biggest challenges is cross-integration with legacy pr- platforms. Um, and for the IT team specifically, it's also measuring these compliance issues. So how much of do you think how much of this do you think is really holding back progress for retail media networks? Is this just growing pains or or do you think that um, you know these are significant barriers to advancement? so i I do think it's a can be a super significant barrier to entry. I think if you see retail media networks that are doing very well and have been able to launch quickly versus some retail media networks that are struggling, it's usually um, can be tied back to the availability of engineering talent and availability of engineering resources. So in our case, I'll just brag about our engineering team for a little bit. They are, they are amazing. They are super forward thinking. I hope they're Um, listening. Oh, I do too. (laughs) I, I, I really actually do because I don't think we tell them how great they are often enough. But because of that partnership and because of how thoughtful they've been with the underlying data infrastructure, we've been able to move really fast. 
But I know I've talked to some other, you know, friends and colleagues in the retail media network space. And if you don't have that strength within engineering, if you don't have those dedicated resources, it can become close to impossible to really launch a successful retail media network because you just don't have the underlying technical support or infrastructure that you need. So then I... I mean, you're talking about internal partnerships, of course, um, but also external partnerships. When you're for the retailers and the CPGs, what does a really strong retail media network partnership look like? What are the what are the things that the ones that are getting it right? What are they doing that's setting them up for success? So retail media can really it can really be a win 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 for both the retailer, obviously, also the brand, and then ultimately for the consumer. And so I think the retail media networks that are getting it the most right is it's this great partnership between um, customer experience and monetization. So there's a lot of retail media networks that have done that very, very well, where a customer can come to your site or they can come to your store and feel like that specific experience was designed for them. So they're getting relevant ads and offers on the app. Um, the store is a, you know, they'll see ads and promotions, but overall it's a pleasant experience. And I think that can be, that is perpetuated by a successful retail media no- network. I think there's a lot of cases where um, either, uh, where monetization can kind of overrun customer experience. I think there's, um some retail media networks where everything is monetized. And so if you're on the app, it's like, well, how do I know that this is the right product for me? Or if it's just because somebody paid the most to be there. Mm -hmm. So I think that can be a detriment um, to trust even in that retailer as well. So that kind of leads nicely to my next question. I mean, have you ever been in a situation or or, or seen a situation where you could tell it just wasn't going to be mutually beneficial um, because of a specific roadblock? Yeah, I would say... This happens pretty frequently because I think especially because retail media is so new and people are so excited about retail media networks that um, really like smaller brands, for example, maybe smaller local brands are will come to a retail media network or come to us and say, I want to invest $100,000 to market my Bob's potato chips. And perhaps Bob's potato chips only has $100,000 of sales in a year. In that case, we as marketers can look at that and go, there's, there's no way that this is going to be efficient for you. So how do we help you do what you want, which is create awareness for your brand, but do it in a way that's efficient, that's going to generate ROI, both for this campaign and then campaigns that you want to run in the future. So specifically in this case, and for a lot of smaller brands, one of the things that we focus on is how do we integrate them into sort of co-branded or multi-branded campaigns? where they get the benefit of um, kind of tailing, tailing along with a larger brand. So if in my Bob's potato chip example, if they are in a co-branded marketing campaign with Heinz ketchup, that's also about summer barbecue season, they get the benefit of sort of that uplift from a more well-known brand, but then also cost efficiency. So giving them the supports that they really need. Exactly. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about um, investments in retail media, future investments, what's coming down the pike. Um, 
want to talk a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about data clean rooms and then also artificial intelligence. So we've been in the news. We've seen from some some CPGs that they're starting to invest more deeply in data clean rooms, um, in part because of the, the potential this can bring for retail media. Uh, capabilities. This is something that was mentioned by Clorox, for example. Um, are you mm-hmm. seeing more brands turn to data clean rooms and, and just want to get your thought, you know, why it could be valuable? Yeah, so we're, we are seeing usage of clean rooms in a couple different ways. So one with us as a retail media network, we are using clean rooms is a way to do, continue to do closed loop measurement in a really privacy focused way. So we have currently a partnership with Pinterest where we are able to provide closed loop measurement for those campaigns, but it's, it's different than that measurement has been done in the past. So Pinterest is sending um, their data to a clean room. Our data is also being sent to that clean room and then it's aggregated together, but then the both of us can only see that aggregated data to showcase performance. The other way that we are seen brands sort of slowly kind of come into using clean rooms is taking their first party audience data and then using the combing using the clean room to commingle that with our first party audience data and really it depends on the brand and how much first party data they actually have to if it's to see if it's really useful or not mm-hmm. i think especially for us and cpgs the the availability of first party data is really low because they don't really have a direct to consumer channel to sell their products and so there can be issues with match rates there can be issues with um the performance of actually running that media and i think one of the things that we also see is that if a cbg has first party data combined with our first party data, that tends to be very, like a very loyal customer set. And so it doesn't necessarily work for driving um, new to brand customers, as an example. So in some use cases, yes, it will work. But I think almost like any technology, clean rooms got really, really hot and sort of were at the top of the hype curve. And everyone's like, oh my God, we have to have a clean room. And I think now we're we're starting to all as an industry be a little bit more realistic of sometimes that makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah. Well, speaking of hype curve, so let's talk a little bit about artificial intelligence. Um, (laughs) So how much of a role is it playing in retail media right now? Like, yes, to talk about the hype curve. I mean, AI is literally at the top. I feel like every conference that I'm at, if you have your bingo card, somebody AI is a really quick way to get bingo. Um, one of the things that I don't think that we talk about a ton is that AI, there are AI capabilities that have existed before this moment in time. I think when we talk about the AI now that everybody is very excited about, it's really that generative AI piece. So retail media networks, I would say us included, have more, um, more sort of basic AI capabilities. So for example, With us, we have predictive audience targeting. So we can look at um, customer recency and frequency and then how much they tend to spend on groceries to predict what the next best ad that they should um, see based on that audience. That is an AI capability that is most likely not unique to 
to us as a retail media network. I think um, as we go forward, though, there's going to be so many other places where AI can play a role, specifically in terms of efficiency gains when we think about um, work that teams are doing that could be easily automated. And then I think when you're talking specifically about generative AI, I think there's places that that can play both within creative and then even more um, advancements in specific audience creation as well. So that was really going to be, because you're right, it, it is like a buzzword bingo. And that was going to be my mm -hmm. last question was, I mean, so when it comes to the role of generative AI within retail media, is that where you see it being most relevant is within creative and then creative creating efficiencies? Um, yes, I would say creative efficiencies and then um, advanced audience capabilities. I think we're, I think everybody's very focused on creative right now because mm -hmm. that's sort of the hot it's kind of the easiest. Thing. I mean, it's it's very accessible yeah. right now. Like you can do this right now in some right. sense, in some ways. So exactly, and it's and it's easy to see. And I think, um, you know, as long as you have access to the internet, you can play around with different generative AI creative tools. Um, the place that I am most excited about it, and this probably ties to my job, is what else can we do in terms of audiences and generative audience creation. Um, but the one thing that I will say about just AI in general is it it only works based on how good your underlying data set is. And I think to even your earlier question about data infrastructure and architecture, the retail media networks that are going to be able to use it and, and utilize it to its fullest potential will have very clean um, underlying data sets and underlying tech infrastructure that already works really well together. And I mean, and it really speaks to what we're seeing from brands that are building, they're using these tools, but we're seeing more brands building these tools in-house or, or, or seeing how they can build them in-house so that they know that all the data that they're using is, is the right data. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Well, Claire, thank you so much for coming on Tech Transformation and schooling our audience on uh, the value and the importance of retail media. Uh, it's been great having you. Yes, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Tech Transformation with CGT and RIS News. Be sure to subscribe to learn more innovative strategies and trends in the retail and consumer goods industries. And don't forget to visit RISnews.com and consumergoods.com to sign up for our newsletter.